Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I am great. I'm back from a little getaway. Uh huh. I'm feeling. A little getaway. <laughs> I'm feeling um, very relaxed. I got my vitamin D. I'm I'm tanner than I have ever been in my entire life. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're rubbing it in, you know, here in the middle of winter for us in uh, St. Louis. I'm just celebrating the fact that I actually took some time off. Like I haven't done that. You haven't. I can't even actually remember the last time I did. So yeah, I would think um, April of 21 when we went to Vegas. Why I remember. Right. Why do I remember your vacations? Yes, yes. Must be something traumatic about it for me. <laughs> the departure was Emily so great. Emily is out of town and <laughs> no. I'm lost. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you had a nice yeah, time. Very restorative. And yeah. you, Michelle, how are I, you? I, you know, Emily, I'm doing all right. I still have some lingering COVID effects. Hopefully that's going to make its way out in the next week or so. Um, I have found myself completely and totally um, alert, like, hypersensitive to different smells, mm. um, you know, changes in temperature. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I was at, I was at a, a store the other day and a woman walked by in perfume and I nearly lost, oh, lost wow. it with, I had to blow my nose. I had to you know, hide in the, in the clothing rack to cough because it was just like, but it was, you know, she walked by and it was her cologne and so I wasn't wild. like this before well, I had COVID. Fact, you were one of those victims where you lost your scent of smell and taste, right? Yeah, yeah, for for just a little bit, yeah. And then and so now it's like coming back at full steam. As if I had a baby's nose, <laughs> right? You know, something yeah. like that. But um, other than that, Will's home from college oh, for this winter break, so I'm very so excited nice. about that. And yeah. yeah, life is just going along really well. Well, really I'm well. excited to put your nose to work a little bit because we have a delicious wine. And it fits within our sweet spot of below twenty dollars. Yes, it's it's funny how we started out at like I needed to be about twelve dollars. Well, inflation. And now it's like now it's like as long as it's under twenty. I mean, inflation. <laughs> it means something, you know. It's real, it's, yeah. and the wine roll has really hit it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, no, and I, I, you know. I'm I'm actually quite comfortable with spending twenty dollars on a bottle. Um, you're or like, more oh, now. it's only twenty. Yeah, well, this is only tw- <laughs> this. I can actually drink this by myself. It's only twenty dollars. <laughs> right. I don't need to share it with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. And this is, I think, a, a really good call. So I'm finding what's exciting about this. One, um, it is a, a wine from a region that I had kind of given up on. Um, it's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. And I had gotten really tired of like the oversaturation of tropical fruit, liminess, like this character that you always get out of Sauvignon Blancs out of New Zealand. This is a little bit boasted to be more French in style. The um, the producers, Chloe Henri, um, and I have to tell you, it it does taste. It doesn't taste French to me, so I'm not going to lie. But I, I like the fact that um, it it does. It doesn't have that same kind. Of, you know, really painful character that you can get out of out of some of the New Zealand wines that can be really tart on your yeah, palate. Yeah. 
This has some very nice supple tropical fruit. I'm I feel like I'm back on vacation because I'm bet. I'm smelling passion fruit, guava, and I'm tasting that through and through. Um, I think it's it's got a nice full body. Um, and it's also pretty cool because this is all one of those natural, organic oh, fabulous. wines. Fabulous. So yeah. I'm very curious. Yeah, like the 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 aromatics on it are fantastic. They don't make you sneeze? I've, I haven't sneezed yet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sure. promise that I won't. Uh, we'll blame it on something else, you know, right, a fiber right. from the from the rug or something. Yeah. But um, no, it's, it's uh, again, I, I smell lots of fruit. Mm-hmm. But what I like about it is that when I taste it, it doesn't feel like I'm drinking a, you know, a glass of fruit sugar or anything no, like that. No, no, no. Yeah, because some of the New Zealand whites are... Are, I know. are just too too sweet for me. I and, too and when sweet I saw or too this, tart. when I saw this I was know. a Sauvignon Blanc, I was like, oh, why does she make me drink a Sauvignon Blanc? <laughs> and right? you know, you know, <laughs> I was like, what? I'm in your same camp on yeah, this. Yeah. So yeah, it's really lovely. I know. I, I I'm I'm excited. I'm encouraged once again by opportunities out of New Zealand. It's a country I've always wanted to visit, and now maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I I get a little peach on my definitely on my palate um, and uh, the if this wine were a panty what has come to me you know the pattern like a jester wears you know with oh. the with the black and the white I do. kind of a diamond kind of like. diamond so I see like a pair of panties with that pattern but then like a splash of color wow. right across. I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe it's the COVID that talking. That sounds very dangerous. That sounds like a dangerous panty. But doesn't panty. it sound like fun? Like a fun <laughs> it does. panty, you know? Like if you had that on underneath um, your, you know, very serious business attire, oh, you yeah. could be like, like a mullet. Business in the front, party in the back, right? Yeah. Business on the outside, party, party on, on the, the inside. inside. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So that's kind of where I where, what came to mind. I like on, it on this uh, for this glass of wine, this well, bottle of wine. Speaking of dangerous but fun exactly. wines, we have a guest that really falls in line with all of these attributes. Yes, yes. I am so excited to have my friend, my coworker, my um, uh, hashtag goals. Uh, Want to be. Uh, <laughs> a person here with us tonight and when I met Deanna a year ago I was like oh Deanna needs to Deanna needs to be on the podcast they need to be on the podcast they need to be on the podcast and uh, I made my time I waited you know kind of like leave some nuggets every now and then and then you posted about mm-hmm. this mindfulness meditation practice, and I thought that right there is even another reason why Deanna needs to be on the podcast. And so they said yes. It's like we're dating or something, uh, right? Aww, <laughs> aww. And uh, you and so, texted. You texted, finally got the yes. I, like, let, like <laughs> dropped links. Check us out, you know. And uh, when they were like, "Yeah, I'd love to do that with you guys," and uh, so here you are. Divine timing. Divine timing. I mean, I think you have like sometimes the best like metaphors you put together um, uh, when you're explaining things. So I, you know, we, I shared links, you shared links. And I was like, wow, Deanna is even more amazing than I thought when I was uh, reviewing your, your um, website and your blog. 
but there are a few things I just we kind of want to go over with you today sure. because <laughs> there's I, a lot in there. There's a lot in there, <laughs> and I think for our listeners, if we didn't get your backstory, mm-hmm. we would be sense, we would right? be shortchanging them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a wonderful, wonderful experience. So, can you give us maybe like what you're comfortable telling us about like who you are, how you got to be Deanna Danger, and maybe how you ended up in St. Louis? (laughs) Sure. Uh, I am a performer. So I started dancing when I was three years old. Jazz tap, ballet, point, lyrical, modern, the whole nine years. When I was three. Did you know? Were you like... Uh, this is what I I, I want to dance. I mean, I guess I was good at it. My mom was a belly dancer, so she put was me— Was she a ballet or belly? Belly. Okay. Belly. My mom was a ballet yeah. dancer. I still have some of her costumes. I've wow. performed in some of her costumes. Oh. Wow. So that was my—that was all my young adulthood, childhood, and did the dance team in high school. Didn't think I was going to grow up to be a dancer, and I went to college for video production— Um, I had done some TV video in in high school, like the the TV news, whatever, and I liked it. And it took me about four and a half years of college to realize that was not what I wanted to do at all. Didn't like that kind of industry. But you got your degree. Got my degree, yeah. Got a little English minor, got a creative writing minor. And afterwards, I didn't really know what to do, so I I just moved to Richmond on a whim with a friend and worked in record stores for a while Mm -hmm. and got more into live events. So we worked in stores, I worked festivals, artist signings, those kinds of things. And a few years after that, Burlesque found me. Mm. Okay. Tell us how <laughs> that happens. Um, it it was starting to renew. Uh, it wasn't really happening in Richmond, Virginia at okay. the time. So uh, the the kind of neo-burlesque renaissance was New York and, and more north. So it was starting to filter its way down the East Coast. And... I was a go-go dancer at a goth fetish club, and they were like, we're going to have a burlesque night. And I was like, well, clearly I have to do a routine. (laughs) So it stuck, and about a month later, they were like, can you teach this? And I was like, of course. So I started teaching it, and within like three months, I started teaching full-on workshops because I was a dancer and had production degree. Mm -hmm. And about a year after that, I had a full-fledged burlesque and performing arts studio. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, it really was this divine timing in that Mm -hmm. moment, right? Because there was a cry and need for it. Absolutely. In a way to marry your, your degrees and your past interest in studies together Mm -hmm. and... Here you are. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've we interviewed uh, Lola Vanella mm-hmm. on the, or had as a guest on our podcast, Lola Vanella, um, who created basically the burlesque yeah. community here in St. Louis. And so what I remember asking her what, what, what it was about dancing burlesque that, um, that she enjoyed. And I'm curious, what, what, for, what was it for you that burlesque afforded you? It allowed me to be my full self. So I was. I grew up very conservative. Um, my mom's Catholic, dad was Baptist, so we weren't allowed to do anything. Even though my mom was a belly dancer, it was, she kind of somewhat denies it at this point. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I wasn't doing all that then. But super conservative, and I didn't really know how to explore myself. I had no idea how to put words to my sexuality and my gender back then. So when that Nobody kind of— Nobody did. No, they didn't teach us any yeah. of that. <laughs> I figured yeah. everything out the hard way. So when burlesque came around, I was able to explore that. And just being a dancer— like, I knew that I had sexiness in me, but 
never the ability to like fully go for it. And I, I really realized how powerful it is and how empowering it was to be able to be up on a stage and command all of that attention and have the respect of every single eye in the room and and just be able to to explore that. It was it was gorgeous and fun and and as much as I love performing, I also just really loved teaching it. So, okay. what are some of the things that you enjoyed most about bringing this art form to others? Watching people explore their themselves, mm-hmm. finding out what what makes them tick and exploring their own creativity because it's not really an art form that you're taught. I mean, we're mm-hmm. taught dance and you you can you can learn painting and this and that, but to put together a burlesque routine, it's storytelling, but also like with your own pizzazz, like with your own with your own power and energy. So and with your body, which absolutely, you know, we're not always. That's another thing we're certainly not taught. Like, how do we mm-hmm. burlesque is seen as slightly provocative mm-hmm. or can be? So these are things that aren't aren't um, again like nurtured. Yeah. In our young lives. You know, good girls don't do that. Right. <laughs> right. They keep, you know, as they children, like, we will run around naked, and at some point they're like, yep. put your clothes on. <laughs> yep. Right. Or they'll say, you know, people want you to be what, like the 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 uh, sex kitten in the bedroom, but, you know, Mary, oh, right. the Virgin Mary, you know, it, the rest of the time. And the fun part about burlesque is you can do both of those things at the same time in the same routine. Yeah, that's true. You can really yeah. confuse your audience. It's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder though how much how much of um, the audience when they go to see a burlesque. Now you're going to have just like it, with any art form, you're going to have your regulars that are there and, and consuming mm-hmm. and and, um, and are you know uh, experts on it, if you will. Yep. And then you'll have those that you know came on a whim because that well we got these tickets on a Groupon, whatever. Um, and they became my students. Mm. Right, like like how much it, it impacted them at that point yep. in time. Because it's all bodies, all types, all genders, all races, like every single body is on stage. It is literally, burlesque is for everybody. I love so that. So being able to see your own body type for the first time, you're like, wow, I didn't even think that I could do that or explore that in that way. And be celebrated. I mean, the, the thing about yeah. a burlesque audience is that it is so loving and open-minded and... Every time I've gone to a burlesque show, everybody's hooting and hollering <laughs> and wild over every yep. act, regardless yeah. of the story they're telling yep. or their shape or size or gender. We tr- we trained them well. Yeah, yeah. We trained yeah. them to tip well as well. <laughs> yes, yes. So so you were doing that. You were teaching. You're performing. Yeah. And you did that for like ten years. I you did say? that for about a decade. Yeah. So I ran a full production company. I did small little one-off shows. I did big storytelling shows in historic theaters. Mm. Um, I did touring shows. I did a a, a group that I toured for three years, four girls in a car. Whew. That That's was that was pretty in there. That was pretty rough. <laughs> did that you journal during that one? <laughs> no, but I did drink a lot. <laughs> Hence the tea today. Exactly, yes. exactly. So well, yeah. you know you learned about yourself. <laughs> I did, and I learned what kind of folks that I can work with and what kind mm-hmm. of folks I cannot mm-hmm. work with. And I, and like I said, I, I love the performing, but I more so love supporting other people and building things. I, like, I'm a builder. I'm okay. a producer. So to me, it's not enough to be just a performer. And, and that's kind of what happened in the pandemic. I moved here to St. Louis because I 
had kind of run my course in, in Richmond, Virginia. It was a lot of work, and I had some things going on in my personal life where I was just completely done with the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I moved out here to kind of figure out a new direction. I knew that I loved teaching and that I loved helping folks feel comfortable in their own skin and inspiring, and I started teaching the beginnings of mindfulness in some of what I did. So I I wanted to figure out a different track. And so when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, all of that kind of disappeared. All of your producing and performing aspect of it. Yeah. So I tried to do the online thing. Yes. And that was definitely a struggle. I bet. Definitely a struggle. Because you don't have family here, do you? Nope. Okay. And you picked St. Louis because of our fabulous weather? Oh, of course. I thought so. Yeah. And our, <laughs> and our, our beaches and our mountains. I picked St. Louis because I knew the St. And Louis the Missouri burlesque. politics are so appealing. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not that different from Virginia at this point. There you go. We're still in America here. No, but you said you picked St. Louis because you had been here before. I had. Uh, Lola is a friend of mine. Okay. And I had been traveling out here for like seven years performing in the festival and had yeah. toured out here. Okay. And so I knew enough people to, to think that I would have a place to, to call home and okay. to have some support while I figured things out. Yeah. Okay. So You do seem like um, a, a renaissance woman and somebody who's incredibly skilled at reinvention. And I really applaud that. I, you know, I shared with you earlier that I, I feel very much akin to that where, you know, I've, I've reinvented myself multiple times and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of guts and bravery to recognize that you're not <laughs> happy with stupidity. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like a little bit of a thorn here. Oh, really? Yeah. Just a little bit of a thorn. When I, I have like a, an aversion to the word reinvent. And I, oh, okay. and I think it's because it, it's not necessarily you've reinvented yourself. It's this, evolving, maybe. It's you've evolving. revealed more of yourself. Oh. Yeah. You've revealed, you've always been who you are, oh, but you've allowed more of you mm-hmm. to be fully in present in the world with other people. Okay, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a yeah. better description. Yeah, that kind of resonates I will accept more. That. I, yeah, and I, I, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I just, <laughs> I just want to like. But it's interesting. You're like, I'm going to be your thorn, but you've allowed yourself to be revealed. So I'm seeing a flower here, right? Yeah, absolutely, zero. absolutely, <laughs> right? Yeah, because because now I think, who's doing the good metaphors? Yeah, I know. Oh. I know. Um, sometimes I just do that, but I because I really I just feel that. When we when we use the terms reinvent, it is it's it's as if what came before wasn't enough. Yeah, hmm. and I and I truly believe that even in the four or five years we've known each other, you've become more comfortable, more sure, um, uh, just more of Emily. Right. And you've always, it's always been that's there. Okay. You just that's are, fair. you're just letting others see it. Okay. Because you're fair. not afraid of it. Maybe that's yeah. because you're not afraid of it. Right. You're not afraid of revealing it, probably because yeah. you also have a good, good, and I know this isn't supposed to be the ther- therapy <laughs> Emily hour. I apologize for our listeners, but, um, but you have a, a wonderful support group here in yeah. St. Louis too. It's important so, to find your mm-hmm. community. Because, right, because when you came down seven years ago, ten years Very ago. Very similar. Um, you know, it was just yeah. So and we are more fortunate who are in the spheres of mm-hmm. people when you when you do share who you are with yeah. us. Well you very quickly discover who is really 
Yeah. There yeah. for you and who, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, that's I, just yeah, it's just shifting okay. language. I like it. Sorry. All right, I'll I'll no. I'll work on adopting that language. I've been <laughs> just, saying reinvent for a while. So right, I know. I I'll know. work on it I every know. time. I just it's okay. It's Thank always a transformation. That. I think yeah. for me, it was about peeling back layers. So as I got to know myself more and. Uh, anytime that I needed to quote unquote reinvent myself, it was always also because something really bad happened in my life mm-hmm. that I had to absolutely turn a corner from because I couldn't be living the life that I was in the way that I was and making those same choices. I had to make all different kinds of choices. So I had to peel back what wasn't me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I keep revealing uh, more genuine me, more authentic me. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're being really honest with yourself yes. and asking those very difficult questions it's that so many stuff. people shy away from. Yes. Is that part of what you lean in on on practicing mindfulness? Absolutely. That's one of the things that I love most about this practice. We don't deny any thoughts or feelings. It's all information. So it's very not spiritual bypassing. And I, it took me a while to find the right kind of meditation that was good for me because I have trauma history. So for me, sometimes going all the way in and just sitting with your mind and sitting with these things, if you don't have the right tools, it can open up a whole lot of boxes Mm -hmm. and things that you're not ready for. So I had to figure out the way to systematically approach that and do it in a safe way Mm -hmm. that allowed me to to be able to do it on my own pace and on my own time and completely messy and completely nonlinear. So like... As you're as you're sitting there and, and a piece gets revealed, you take things in chunks versus like mm-hmm. uh, everything, and now I have to try to digest it all. Just yeah. like a, a little piece has yeah. has revealed itself. Yeah, and, and, and you just let that be, and you can be with it and say, okay, well, what is this? And and I'll let it I'll let it teach me. Um, I don't like to force answers. So if I don't know an answer to something, I will not answer that question. I will wait until it comes to me, and and it always has. You know, sometimes I get frustrated waiting for things like, I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know how this is going to pan out, but I'm not going to try to force a solution or a fix because further down the line, something will pop up and be like, oh, that's why that is. This all makes so much more sense now and I have so much more clarity. How, what are, so you talk about it took a while to find the right meditation practices for you to find what was right for you. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend somebody approach this? He's like, I'm, mm. I have trauma. I have, you know, I want to find my path. Like, yeah. what would be some tips? Find good teachers. Like, find a teacher, look at their website, make sure they have high quality training, make sure they have trauma training themselves. Um, that they have learned from teachers that have that kind of psychological history. And I recommend finding teachers with diversity. Mm -hmm. So people who have the living history. And that's what helps make me one of a a good teacher. Like I've lived it. So in, in my early years of trying different Buddhist practices and meditations, I just found the typical homogenous like white guy and that yeah. didn't really that didn't work for me it didn't inspire you in any <laughs> that way that was not inspiring huh. old white guy not inspiring no, it didn't <laughs> work for not me not surprise me <laughs> so it, they just didn't get it like they just completely didn't get it and I had so many deeper questions and and I'm, I'm very deeply spiritual and I knew that so much of it was surface and I also have 
a lot of history in in activism, and I get very mm. impassionate. Like I'm a big proponent of divine rage. My rage is, is one of the things that helped save my life. So I don't want to deny my rage. I don't want to deny the mm. bad things that happened to me. There are wonderful lessons that I learned in all of that. Should those bad things have happened to me? No. But I'm not mm. going to deny that they did because they taught me so much. Mm. And being able to <laughs> be with that and not say that, okay, well, it, it sucked. You know, don't don't be angry. Don't boo this. Like, just, you know, push that off. That The pacifism didn't, didn't mm-hmm. resonate with me. Yeah, well, we have a right to be, right? Don't we have a right to feel upset about certain... Yeah, you are welcome to feel all right? of your feelings. Yeah, yeah. What, but, but we're not, it's not encouraged. It's not encouraged to feel all of our feelings. Well, you know, like, not publicly like or when, socially, like when right? You're, like when you're growing up, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. why are right. you crying again? Right. Yes. Or, yeah. Or um, suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up, you know. (laughs) Bad things happen to people, you know. Toughen up. Yeah, you know. um, Move on. You know, it's time to move on. You've been upset about this for X, Y, Z. It's time to move on. (laughs) It's time to move on. You know, we don't have time for you to be upset. And um, and I know for like myself, it's 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 been interesting to reflect back on life. When I was talking with my daughter the other day, uh, they were talking about a, a, a contentious situation at work, and they were upset with themselves when they walked away from it because they, they, they were like crying, you know, and, uh, post, post consensus situation, mm-hmm. she, uh, they're crying. And I said, don't beat yourself up for that because you were suppressing so many emotions in that contentious situation right. that when you walked away, your body had to release right. it. Absolutely. It, and, and that's, I mean, I think about like toddlers or like, Toddlers don't have the verbal skills. All they have, they have these feelings, and they're upset, and it's uh, throughout their whole body, and it's a small amount of real estate, and so they're having this <laughs> complete total tantrum because they don't know how to express themselves. Oh, we get older, one. so we don't have those physical tantrums necessarily because our real estate is more as opposed to a toddler. Well, we also have social constructs that right. tell us how to... Behave right, and, right, and you yeah. have hopefully words that do better. Right, but I, I was, I just explained. I said to them, I said, you know, you didn't pick up a chair and throw it up against a wall. <laughs> you know, your body chose to release those suppressed feelings through mm-hmm. tears. It's okay. Absolutely. You know, big fan of crying. Mm-hmm. It's it's perfect, um, but you can dehydrate yourself from crying. So <laughs> oh, always make right. sure that you have some water <laughs> nearby. I know. <laughs> Personal experience. Mm. But I think sometimes people are afraid of what a meditation might bring up. Yeah. And, like, what is it supposed to feel like? You know, am I doing it right? Mm. Um, I'm not feeling anything. My You know, yep. so what would you say to somebody who might be meditation curious? <laughs> sure. I, I, would, I would say take a course that walks you through the steps because the way that I teach it, It's kind of like you have a big window pane with all the little individual panes that make up the big picture. So when you take a course, like you can't learn it all at one time. So being able to learn mindfulness of the breath and mindfulness of the body and then mindfulness of sensations. So Mm. differentiating that we have our bodies have sensations and that our mind then labels them as emotions. So that's a big, you know, when people say, or I feel like this and I feel like you, you can't feel like somebody else. We can have these sensations and learning how to label that 
lets you know what your body is trying to communicate with you. Mm. And then there's also mindfulness of thoughts. And the beauty of thoughts is they just happen. Mm. You literally cannot stop them. So we learn different tools, and mindfulness for me is kind of like a dial where you can turn different parts of your awareness in or on or down or up and figure out what all is going on in there. So do it. It's fascinating. I think about I mean, different types of medication, medication. <laughs> well, you think about that too. <laughs> um, meditation and certain moments of time, I've had a hard time turning the brain off. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like what you're saying in that, you know, there's also lessons to be learned in that. Yeah. Because sometimes we do need to think about things. And there, you know, if we are experiencing grief or rage, And there, again, is information under there. If we're experiencing grief or rage, that's for a reason. Our body is doing us a favor by telling us these things hurt. So we need to learn about why those things hurt. And mindfulness for me is about agency. It's about, like, knowing yourself to know what you want to ask for, what you need to ask for. What are your needs? Retrieving your needs from your wants column. Because a lot of times we compartmentalize things. And if things are are hard and touchy and they bring up old past, and that's why it's important to have a trauma-informed mindfulness coach. So when you are sitting there and you are meditating and your mind goes into things and it experiences a trigger, the way that the nervous system works, it takes you right back then and there Mm -hmm. to it. So that's why we practice with mindfulness of the body and the breath or other senses first. So if the breath, for for instance, is not a safe anchor, so an anchor is something that we use to um, anchor our awareness with. So it can be the breath, but if you've got an anxiety order, you don't right. want to anchor with your breath. Yeah. So that was actually me for, for the first bit. I, I do have anxiety disorder and I've had depression. So concentrating and thinking about my breath didn't work. I had to think about the sounds in the room and the the air on my skin. So it's not about pushing these things away. It's about shifting your attention to something different. And the five senses are what's there for that. So like, can can you sense your cushion? Like, can you sense your feet on the ground? Can you wiggle your fingers Mm -hmm. a little bit? And mindfulness for me is is a little bit of movement too. It's not about Mm -hmm. sitting Mm -hmm. in this perfect position. It's about just being there with yourself and being able to let go. And I think letting go is a fear. It's a, it's, it's mm-hmm. a scary spot for so many people yeah. because when you because I, I and it seems as in in society it's all about being controlled and being in control of your emotions and being in control of your words or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so letting go can can seem to be such an unnatural mm-hmm. um, space to be. But when you think back when you're a kid, and I don't know why I'm going here, but you know, remember like you were used to like, oh, I did, spin around, right? Like, and so that you get so dizzy, then you fall down yeah. and, you, and everything is just around. And it was like the was most fun. glorious feeling <laughs> in the world. I could not imagine letting myself spin around now, right? Yeah. Like, I would probably throw up. I was just thinking the same <laughs> thing. Like, I physically, it doesn't sound like I, I don't know, but like there's that, 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 that release, that ability just to, yeah. you know, um, yeah, enjoy all, all of the senses in your body. Mm-hmm. And... I wonder maybe in in your in your um, study and practice is have they determined like at what age or what point in life do we shift away from that? 
And then so like a childlike joy is that like when does that right. sort of go away or that ability to be in all of our yeah. senses? Do you know? I mean, I think it kind of depends on the social situations. Um, with with mindfulness and, and Buddhist meditation, it's about your causes and conditions. So we're all born with our own body. We have what we were born with, and also our, our environment is a factor. So it depends on on both of those things that help cultivate your life. Yeah. So if you were homeschooled, you might have been more protected from things. And then if for some reason you had to go to public high school, that was probably pretty rough. So, mm-hmm. you you know, you'd have a different track than somebody who went to preschool and had a, a working mom, you know, at age four. Yeah. So, but what I also love about mindfulness is, 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 again, it's not about denying anything. It's about accepting all of it. So you have the 10,000 sorrows and you have the 10,000 joys. When you start compartmentalizing things, you also start wow, I can't say that word word. (laughs) compartmentalizing your joy. So when you start dulling your senses to experiencing anything, that that dulls your experience of good things too. Mm. And I I I feel as if society is about dulling our senses. Oh, completely. So they can control absolutely. Just put it out there. Well, we have so much stimulation all around us all the time, too. Humans are overstimulated. Mm. So it's not our fault that it's very hard to pay attention. Um, I know that one of my tracks going forward is going to be media mindfulness. I'm 42, Mm. about to be 43, so I remember what it was like to not have cell phones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I am thankful that I have an awareness that lives in my body and my physical senses and my my space in the room. And that's also something that burlesque helped me and dance helped me to to get to. I have that physical awareness. But if you have been in your phone and it's like walking across the street with your your head down in the phone, you don't have an awareness of what's going on in your life. That happens with your emotional processes and your mental processes, too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's like, I think about that with the the hands and the phone, it's navigating all aspects of life, Mm -hmm. literally from getting to the mall and back or to, you know, how you're feeling as a person. Yeah. um, Processing whatever it is that you need to be paying attention to. Or unconsciously. And just nurturing relationships the right way mm-hmm. so much i think it's miscommunicated via text mm-hmm. because it's hard to read in between the lines yeah. of text you don't get emotional inflection so there's relationship compromises that happen because mm-hmm. of it's happening in the palm of our hands as yep. opposed to in person, in person. or, or mm-hmm. um, you know voice to voice um Going from the relationship statement that you made to incorporating your mindfulness, um, I'm gonna uh, the statement I want to make is by doing this practice, do you find that within relationships you're more patient, or you find? Or I, well, I'm a, are you more patient? <laughs> yes. I mean, okay, because I'm like, here's I'm going to ask a yes or no question. And yes. You can't make it not a yes or no question. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I have, I think it's patience and grace. So like okay. being able to, and and for that's that's compassion. So compassion is love and action. If I, whenever somebody is 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 being mean to me or saying rude things or whatever, like that person is also unwell. That person also yeah. has things going on in their body. 
And and this is something I think that comes up at work a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I have enormous patience <laughs> <laughs> at work because I, I it's not worth it getting my feathers ruffled. That keeps me from mm-hmm. actually being able to solve whatever the problem might be. So I'm trained to bring everybody's wellness and dignity into any situation. So yes, I definitely have more patience and also I have quicker access to my agency mm-hmm. when I know that I need to speak up for something that is right. Help, help walk us through a little bit of agency. Let's talk about mm-hmm. it. You've mentioned it a few times. I hear people talk about it. I'm not sure that everybody, including myself, have a real thorough understanding of what you mean by having agency. I think for me, it came out of the Me Too era. So being a performer on stage, like my body is mine and Mm -hmm. being able to set the pace for that for for my audience or my performers, like I have all of the agent, you do not touch and look at anything unless I allow you to. So agency in, in terms of speaking up for yourself is the same kind of thing. Nobody else is my proxy. Nobody else speaks for me. I speak for me. So being able to be with myself and listen to myself, like find out what is going on with my feelings, my sensations, my thoughts, that helps me know deeper levels of myself so that I have deeper understanding of how I tick underneath and why things upset me, why my body gets pissed off or wants to rage cry. Like it wants me to know how to help myself in that way. So then Mm -hmm. I'm often able to offer myself more compassion in that moment. It's really like owning and knowing your body. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what makes you, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your own dignity, like your own, your own rights. A lot of it just circles in with social justice. Like. I love the statement you made about being on the stage and it, you know, this is my body and you don't look at what I have unless I let you. Mm-hmm. And that is like burlesque. That's all it is. I mean, not all. It's like, like in the totality, you're controlling what it is that they're looking at, whether it's the left breast or, and then you can mm, cover it up. Yeah. There might be like a reveal of a shoulder. And so, you know, they're not going to be looking at your ankle because you're, you're directing yeah. the, 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 the eyes to where you want them to be. Indeed. And, and we don't have that as a, Mm-mm. you know, regular human being walking through the world. We don't have that ownership of yeah. how someone is looking at us, but we could. Yeah. You, we could by, by how we stand up, how we walk into a room, how we walk down the street. You know, like mm-hmm. um, we can control how somebody um, or where they look. Indeed. Uh, with practice. Yeah. And, this comes and awareness. Up, for sure. And this comes up a lot with bias. So if people have certain biases, I get this a lot in the corporate environment, it is ripe with biases and people have no idea what is going on in in people's real lives. So, you know, thinking that everybody's cognitive function is the same, thinking that people are being lazy when in, in fact they have invisible disabilities like or, you know, ADHD and all of these other different kinds of things, if you're not thinking about those things, like, agency and mindfulness like I am this way there's nothing wrong with me I'm not broken I am who I am I have all these things I accept who I am I'm going to be able to talk about that in these realms so if you're speaking down to me in a way or (laughs) 
thinking that I'm not doing my job for whatever reason. Like, I want to be able to say, well, this is the reason why these things, like, maybe it's not a good idea that you send me a Slack message while I'm running a show. You're probably not going to get an answer there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mm. those kinds of things. Mm. It, it's, um, I guess, mindfulness isn't a new age self uh, help uh, latest um, phase um, that, you know, cool people are doing. Now, I mean, I'm, you know, like sometimes there's like things like, oh, this is the latest craze. Everyone's everyone's taking a bit a self-help of self-help fad, a self-help fad yeah. or yeah. whatever. But um, because your your if your your practice is based in on Buddhism, mm-hmm. that's been around a long time. Yeah, twenty six hundred um, years. Yeah, yeah, give or take, yeah. <laughs> plus or minus five. It's within the margin of error. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's there's got to be you know like uh, lasting effects, um, you know principles that have you know endured all these mm-hmm. all of these centuries, and. I you know when we were all shut down in the pandemic, and I know I've talked about this on the podcast before. One of the things that I felt was ha- impacting the universe was we were all we were all sent home, and uh, we didn't have our normal distractions. Whether it was you know g- grabbing a drink at the bar with the friends on the way home, or or you know going and playing softball on the on the or bowling or dancing or you know whatever it was that we did to distract ourselves, and instead of normally prior prior to the COVID uh, lockdown, when let's say in a room of you know let's say us three people. Let's say you're working on yourself, but Emily and I are. We're just we're just hitting the bar. We're doing our thing. <laughs> we're not working on ourselves, you know. And that's cool because the universe can handle your shit because it's just you that's working yeah. on yourself, right? But the pandemic, we were all forced home and we didn't have any distractions, so we were like looking at ourselves. Yep. Some of us didn't like what we saw. Some of us tried really, really hard to ignore it, but the universe was having to absorb all of this processing that hadn't happened. Absolutely. And I don't think I, I feel like the universe isn't. She's still tired. Oh, we're not from even close. To we're being not even done. close to nope. being done. No. And with, you don't think the universe can handle this? No, this I think all she, expansive universe. I think she can, but I think my God, she's got we, all the universal we, truth. We verbal. We vomited on her. <laughs> Humans are having a moment right now. I'll definitely say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we are. I would think the universe is like. Thankfully. People are finally figuring some yeah. truths out. I mean, things have to break open for them to heal. You can't have creation without destruction. So if you think of seeds that pop up, you have to break through that shell and you have to mm-hmm. go through the dirt and pop through through the sunlight. That is not, that doesn't it's, feel good. That's not a, comfortable. That's a long painful. process. Yeah. I, I had an artist friend that always talked about um, how important it was to be able to just to destroy art to make art. I was always curious that he would purge his, he would create a full show, and if it didn't sell, he'd just destroy it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how could you just destroy it? It's great. And he was just like, well, I'm not attached to it. I have to, I've I've put it out there. I've got to let it go. Absolutely. Destroy it to make it. Yeah. Everything is impermanent. And that's, that's one of the other core teachings of mindfulness and Buddhism. Everything is impermanent. Your breath is impermanent. You are impermanent. Rocks are impermanent. The universe is constantly changing. Everything is impermanent. So if you sit there in meditation long enough, everything will change, literally. 
So that can be a very scary thought to a lot of people out there that everything is impermanent, that nothing's going to stay the same, that everything's going to change, everything's going to change, blah, blah, blah. What do we do? It's ever finding itself. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's never, never, it's never, never <laughs> reinventing itself. But like, but like, what? Like, what do we say? What can we say to our listeners right now that might be finding this a little like un, tough, uneasy, uh, uneasy? Well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to send people off into sure. you know with without some sort of like some guardrails, some bumpers on yeah. the on the bowling alley. You know. Well, if you know that the only constant is change. That's something that you can relax into. Like, you can't control everything. We, we can't control everything. So being able to let go into that impermanence, like, um, you know, there's, there's parts of Buddhism that it's about preparing yourself for the afterlife. Like, so if you are clinging so hard to who you are and a body that you had 20 years ago, 40 years ago, you're clinging to that. And that clinging creates suffering. And I definitely saw that with my grandmother. Mm. She she was very afraid of dying, and she was a very like control freak. She had a rough childhood, and she wanted to be able to control everything and everyone around her. She had no way of letting go, and it took her like it took her body. So I was like, well, I I don't want that, mm. and I want to try to to live a different example for my parents. So that they also don't live that. So that there is a beauty in aging. Not everybody gets to age. Being able to right. age into old age is wonderful and beautiful. So being able to to go on that last journey and like being able to like prepare yourself to let go with that. Like if you think of it in the, the big realm of that, it can be scary. But when you think about these little things, like okay, well maybe I just won't get my nails done this week. It'll be okay. Like mm-hmm. it will be okay. So we've talked about some. Really interesting concepts, mindfulness. Um, I, we've talked about uh, agency. Um, we've mentioned a few of your special own words, authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Michelle, you have some other curiosities that are among our guests' area of specialty. And so I'm curious uh, if maybe this might be a good time to explore some of these concepts. Um, yeah, the, I, I think I have two things here that I want to um, uh, discuss or explore with you and then also wrap it back into talking about the mindfulness practice that you offer here in St. Louis. Um, you refer to yourself as an art witch. <laughs> oh, that's and interesting. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and if you don't mind sharing with us what that whole thing embodies. Sure. Well, in, in three sentences or less. Three sentences. No, 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 just yeah. That's going to be rough because I'm an art witch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely a, a witch, and okay. I, I like that term as a way to reclaim the taboo nature of that particular type. And and in which nature witch, medicine person, like, you know, there's so many different names and so many different cultures and from, from my, my background and my ancestry that comes from there. So okay. I'm, I'm very nature-based. Like, I deal with earth, air, fire, water. And I do that with my own physical space, like I, the way that I set my altar. I do that in, in my performances and any of my routines. Like, uh, I worked a lot with animals. So being able to put on a particular animal and become the essence of that animal um, such as my flamingo routine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
being a kind of a, a ridiculous flamingo and, <laughs> and taking that on. Um, so, which for me is just, it's just, it's just nature. Okay. It's just being, being one with nature. And the art part of it comes because everything that I do is art. So for, you know, for the longest time I was a dancer and then a producer and all those things. And I still do things in an artistic manner. The way that I write, the way that I blog, the way that I teach mindfulness is still an artful manner. Mm -hmm. So my whole life is art. The way that I do my hair is Uh art. My eyebrows are art. (laughs) (laughs) Every aspect of you. Absolutely. So art is just, it's just beauty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, that that makes that makes perfect sense, and uh, that's really cool. I appreciate appreciate you sharing yeah. more what it's all about. And the other thing that I I mean I was you know I was going over the blog and and reading the different things, and um, you had uh, there you did a YouTube interview, and you had talked about a uh, um, a, a piece of information or a, a nugget from. Um, uh, from your past, and it was about you know mistakes, mm-hmm. and um, you saw something about the fact of like it's not like mistakes will happen, mm-hmm. but it's how you recover from mistakes. Yep. And and I thought that it was that was beautiful. And did that come from your dad or from your? That came from one of my television production teachers oh, in college. Okay. okay, that's right. Yeah, that one stuck with me. And I wonder if you have sort of, and, and not saying that your life as a burlesque and blah, 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 was a mistake or anything, but like I feel as if you've like totally recovered from things that have ha- happened to you, choices you made, choices that were made for you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you've like recovered in such a like fundamentally inspiring way. Like, yeah. I mean, Am That's I, the grace part, okay. being able to offer myself grace for doing the best that I could at the time with the choices and answers and, and resources that I have. So, yeah, it's it's not that the mistake happens. I've made some terrible fucking mistakes, <laughs> especially in romantic partners. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, horrible, yeah, yeah, we horrendous could, mistakes. We could do a whole other that's podcast. That's a complete show. Show. Episode. Exactly. And, uh, we like those episodes. Mm-hmm. We'd like to laugh and, and about those, yeah. But it's not, the, it's not that the mistake happened. Like, I've unpacked how it happened, why I didn't have the resources, why I didn't have the education, like why I didn't have role models to to teach me better things. So it's not that the mistake happened, like I learned better and then I did better and yeah. I can forgive yeah. myself in those times. Yeah, forgiveness I imagine is a key part of that cycle. Forgiveness is for us, it's not necessarily for other people. Right. And I would think that with when someone is starting a, a mindfulness practice or even if they're like, you know, getting back into whatever, like continually forgiving because stuff's going to come up. Yes. Stuff that you've suppressed is going to come up. Yeah. And and learning to love yourself and accept yourself and and forgive yourself for those things only makes navigating and living life nicer, easier, better for you. Yes. I have a saying for that. Oh, you do? What's your saying for that? A cactus hurts, but you don't got to sit on it. (laughs) Did you get that, Emily? A cactus Yeah, hurts. oh, I got it. I got it. I think the thing that I'm trying to process <laughs> in this moment is if we're trying to connect with how we feel about things mm-hmm. and, and learn from that, mm-hmm. um, is, isn't there some, like, 
maybe prick yourself with the like on your finger on the pa- cactus, but not totally yeah. like lay on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So a cactus hurts like, ow, fuck, that hurt. But then you don't got to lay on it. Yeah. So in Buddhism, okay. that's known as the two arrows. So you have the first arrow, that is the pain. That is the thing that happens. And then the second arrow is what we meditate to help relieve suffering of. And that's what we think about the pain. So it's almost like the, the acupuncture of it. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. little tiny. <laughs> it's like, it's the stewing that our mind does. Like, mm-hmm. so when your mind goes into those mental proliferations yeah. and catastrophizing and, and all of the scenarios. Like, I saw a meme today that was like, had like the saliva glands. And they were like, I produce saliva. And it was, the heart was like, I pump out, uh, you know, blood. And the brain was like, I create scenarios. And it's like, that's <laughs> just, I create drama. It's just what it does. It's just what it does. So when you say, okay, am I suffering? Like, is my brain doing things? Because that's what my brain does. It just goes on and thinking mm. things. Like, am I, am I coming, am I thinking about my past? Am I thinking about all these mistakes? Am I creating things that aren't actually happening right here? Like, where is right here? Where are my hands? Where are my feet? What can I smell? Have I seen a tree lately? Like, where am I? Yeah. 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 Uh, I um, had uh, an experience a couple months ago. I had uh, had gone down to to my college, and uh, it was my sorority's 50th anniversary of being on campus. And I had not been planning to go. I was in the midst of moving and stuff like that. And one of my uh, good friends reached out. And she goes, hey, you're going to come down? I'm like, I'm moving. I can't think. She goes, well, I've got a room. It's on points. So you can come. No, no, no problem. You know, like, can I, can I let you know after I close my house? And, um, and then I, you know, closed, moved. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll go down. And I started to dread it because I started to think about all of these things that happened in college, mm-hmm. you know, some of the people I wanted to see, some of the people I didn't want to see. And, and I was you know, in the car, I'm driving down, I'm talking to a friend on the phone. And she said to me, she goes, well, because I was like, I'm kind of dreading this. And this is not a friend connected to college at all. And she goes, well, you know, I, I get that. She goes, but, you know, because she was, like, so excited. She was like, you're going to have such a great time. I'm like, well, am I? Am I really going to have a good time? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> like, I could, I'm probably going like, to run into those people that were so mean to me, you know, in mm. college and all that sort of stuff. And, and like, I'll be nice. And she was like, oh. oh or, or you could think about that this might be the last time you ever see them alive. Oh. Because we're, like, in our 50s now. Yeah. And... um and or that maybe they've grown. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was more, I, I get that. But she was like, you know, or you could approach this trip from a position of why are you, why are you in your brain hashing all that yeah. stuff that happened 30 years ago? And instead of looking at it, it's like, this yeah. might be the last time that we yeah. sit around a table and talk to each other. And just that little switch really helped me so when I got there um, I was more open and then as you know as the group of us that were together each person shared how nervous they were to come to this this reunion and some I hadn't seen since we graduated college and it and it made me feel like wow we are we are all still suffering we're Mm -hmm. all struggling with the same thing and and I was so grateful that I did show up, and I and I didn't spend all my time as you know. Yeah, because now you got to change what those memories mean to you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So going back to the mind, you know, like I didn't have to lay on the I didn't lay on the cactus of hurt. Yeah. 
you know. But you recognize that it was there, and you probably are aware of, like, certain triggers. You're like, okay, well, if someone goes over the line and they're treating me some kind of way, I can leave because I'm an adult and I can make those decisions and go elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 was it was pretty powerful, and um and you know, and I and I and I don't practice meditation. I know I I, I, I part of me is um, not necessarily afraid of meditation. Some of it is like I know I can't sit in that position. So if I can like meditate, just laying straight down with my art, you know, in you totally Shavasana can. or whatever, you totally can. <laughs> you know, um. And I and then the, like, am I ready for what comes up? And I think I feel like I, mm-hmm. I need to be, I need to like talk to myself and say, all right, yeah. are you ready for what's going to come up when and you do that? That's why I recommend doing it with a coach. We don't go all the way into the deep end on our first session. Yeah. Well, and there's other. I mean, there's so many forms of meditation, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think about active forms of meditation. Mm-hmm. I've I've always enjoyed cooking or painting or playing cello as forms of like they're great vessels for me to you know I've got some sort of physical thing that's happening but it somehow allows me access to something the in the inside of me like I'm able to expel some energy yeah and then tap into something and be in the present with it right and for me to be able to actually enjoy what you're doing right yeah. I've I've been able to recognize significant the need to make evolution happen in my life um, by means of this process. So I, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's lots of different methods. I've, For sure. I mean, I practice mindfulness when I'm doing my dishes. I practice mm. mindfulness when I'm driving. You know. Thank I, you. <laughs> I didn't used to. I was, I was not yeah. a very good driver. Like, oh, yeah. how did I get home? It, it <laughs> definitely happens sometimes. But like, or you know, when you're getting yourself ready for work and you start thinking about the mm. thing that the person said and and coming up with again all the scenarios and what you're going to say to this and that. And mm. by the time you've done that, like, if you have kids, if you have a pet, have you paid attention to your kids and your pet? Have you have you been with them in that morning? Like, did you notice the the new leaf on your plant? Did you notice the silly little squirrel like? digging in the pot, the potter outside your window? Did you notice those things? Or were you in your mind being angry and, and so, coming up with scenarios? Okay, so this is so <laughs> curious to me because we talk about the practice of being mindfulness, but we also talk about the mind kind of playing tricks on us a little bit. Like it totally it's, it's creating this drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, how, do we, how do we separate those two concepts? Well, you shift your awareness back to your body back into your senses yeah where's my hands what can I smell what what can I can I feel my breath Mm. am I feeling anxious am I feeling depressed like can I deepen my breath can I feel my my breath further into my body am I taking a cleansing breath have I done anything like self-care for me Mm self-care is about survival it's it's if you can't access it it's not about self-care so like did you read a book do you like did you turn off your phone did you take a walk have you taken a bath lately things that you do for for your body to replenish all of that that has nothing to do with anybody else and nothing to do what you can buy but just you and your own body you and your own nervous system like when you mind when you find your mind doing all those things like just have you been with yourself today? Like you're allowed to not do things mm-hmm. all day. You can choose to not do, you can choose to not fix. Your mind wants to fix. Your mind wants to solve by default. That yeah. gets exhausting. I don't want to solve shit and fix it all day. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta take a break. 
It's very yeah. healthy. I, I I love those quiet days of just completely, yes. you know, it's, it's, well, and, tre- and, it's a treasure. And allowing yourself those quiet days mm-hmm. because so much in our society doesn't, you know, pr- productivity, productivity, mm-hmm. you're, like, you're exactly. not being productive. I, one of the things, like being sick with COVID for 12 days or isolated for 12 days. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of forced to do that, aren't you? I was like, I felt guilty at part of those I times. I wasn't, uh, here I am. Productive. I, I wasn't yeah. doing anything. I could probably be putting some more things away, you yeah. know. I mean, and, and like fighting that internal dialogue of like, you're, you're a lazy person. You've been mm-hmm. home for 12 days and you <laughs> hadn't done anything. It's like, uh, it's COVID, you know. Right. Um, and then just like respecting that I I need what I needed to do. Your body did it. Was play twelve hours a day of Sudoku. <laughs> during, hey, that was good for your mind. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm so good at it now. I think I should like enter into some, uh, you know, tournaments or something. You've delayed but. Alzheimer's by definitely a few years <laughs> by practice of this. Yeah, I mean, I got my ones and my nines. I'm good at that. But so um, uh, before we wrap up, I know that you have a practice that you offer. Online here, can we give our listeners like the information? How can they connect with you? Sure. You know, we and we have listeners, intercontinental yes. listeners. So, fabulous. Yeah, yeah fabulous. All well, over. folks can find me at deannadanger.com. That's D E A N N A danger.com. And I offer weekly mindfulness practice sessions. I offer two a week. Uh, one is in person at a location called Empowered Studios, which is on Big Ben Boulevard over near Webster Groves. This is in St. Louis. It is for in those St. Louis. who are in St. Louis. Um, it's a wonderful spot. It's, it's all trauma-informed care, psychotherapists, massage, acupuncture, all different kinds of things. Mm. So it's a really great spot. Um, and I simulcast that. So you, if you can't be there in person, you can mm. also join virtually there. And that currently is on Thursday evenings. However, starting January 1st, it's going to be moving to Mondays. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So beginning of the week, just, just put in your mindfulness practice. Beginning of the week, make it a regular practice. It's definitely about the cumulative practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does matter okay. how often you do it. Okay. Um, and I also offer a... I think I'm moving it to Thursday. It's Wednesday now. A morning time practice. So if morning time is more your thing, that's when I like to meditate. It's first thing in the morning. It helps me set my my pace for the day. Okay. So I've got a morning and an evening. And then my next beginner's session will begin January 25th, I believe. Okay. So we've got some time to sign up. And I, I definitely recommend taking the the curated course so that you can learn it bit by bit. And it does make a difference of like how you're able to cultivate your practice. And um, there's going to be all different kinds of information coming out on my website. I'm working on lots of different free resources, videos, things to help people build their own practice. So it's, it's the kind of thing that really is helpful when you do it with other people. It's, uh-huh. it's like adult timeout. <laughs> so being able to just sit in a room and not have to talk and not have to do anything. So my sessions are lightly guided. It's really wonderful that way. And then being able to have, again, the, the embedded practice in your life so that it's there for you okay. whenever you need it. Yeah. Sounds marvelous. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Um, I was There was something I was going to say, if I can recall it. I was... In the moment, but then I was in the moment, <laughs> that mindfulness aspect of it. Oh, this is what I was going to ask you. Burlesque found you. Mm-hmm. You thrived, mm-hmm. right? Did mindfulness find you? I think yes. I mean, 
I, I dabbled in meditation and Buddhism in my early 20s, but I didn't find what I needed. And at the time that my teacher, Tara Brock, found, she found me. I mean, I found her on the radio and I was going through a hell of a time. Like I hit a wall and I couldn't go forward anymore. And she has a very particular practice called RAIN and it's for helping with self-shame and mm. self-blame. Mm. So it's it's about recognizing, allowing, investigating, and then nurturing and all of that. So that helped me pick out and, and uncover the layers. So that found me and I was like, oh my God, this just saved my life. Okay. And then the next thing I know, the algorithm th- throws up this teacher certification program with my favorite new teacher. I'm like, well, I guess I should probably do that. And yeah. I'm a month from graduation. So, oh, this yeah. is exciting. It's exciting. Um, I can't wait to to see, you know, continue to be friends and, and, and to see, continue to see how you evolve and, like, and what finds you next. Because it seems like whatever finds you, you, like, just make it even more magical, right? <laughs> you, like, just take it. And so what what's going to come next? To and, I, and I like that it's it always... Um, it helps others. Yeah. Like whatever you do, you, 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 when, in teaching burlesque, you help people become comfortable with their bodies and tell stories, and you help bring this accept, scene of acceptance towards a, in a community. And and now with your mindfulness practice, you're you're touching even deeper layers. And yeah. so I love the fact that um, it seems to me that it's very clear that you're not just a producer, but definitely a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah. exciting. Well, Deanna, thank you so much for taking time out thank of you your both schedule. So much. Come on the podcast. We really have enjoyed this conversation. This is so lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, those of you out there, if you have any questions, please send us an email at clearly speaking podcast at gmail.com. You know, hit us up on our Instagram, our Facebook. You can get all of the resources we talked about in the show notes today. Mm-hmm. And as always, we just love, we love you guys. And thank you for being awesome. And thank yeah. you for being awesome. Thank, thank you for being thank awesome. You. And thank, thank you for you. continuing to reveal yourself to the world. <laughs> yes. You know? And all Peel back that. all the layers. I mean, that's part of what the podcast is all about. Right? Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, cheers, cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs>